Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology, while hopefully fun and informative, is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Also, Diane and I are both deeply passionate about psychology. Common with things you love, we may get frustrated, but at the end of the day, we hold sincere respect for psychology and psychologists. Now, on with the show. Am I talking close enough? Uh-huh. Is this a taco? Were you supposed to eat wax lips or just put them in your mouth? Uh-uh. Is this a taco? It's hot. Is this a taco? This is great for the audio medium. Put the... Put the wax from the cheese. Put the wax in your lips. On my lips. <laughs> and it was attractive. It was. That boy needs therapy. <laughs> Puts the wax on the lips or else I'll spank it on the hips. <laughs> no. It's the new version of Sounds of the Lambs. It's not. It doesn't rhyme when he says it puts the lotion in the basket. It or puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose no. again. It puts the lotion in the basket. That's the after part. It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> and then her dog falls in. He goes, put the fucking lotion in the basket. It's actually, no, he puts the, you put the dog in the basket. No, he throws the lotion down there. Yeah. And he says, put the lotion on the skin yeah. or else it gets the hose again. Yeah. And then she, the dog falls. But no, that's not the first time he's done that. So in the mm-hmm. other times he says, it puts the lotion in the basket or it gets the hose. Yeah. But the first time he says it, it's a poem. Buffalo Bill? Wait, what's his name? Yeah, Buffalo Bill, because he skins his humps. I couldn't sleep the other night, and for some reason I started thinking about The Silence of the Lambs, and yeah. it was a it was a dark hole I went into. What were you thinking about? Just I, I just everything about it. The Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Run, she's great in it. Running. She's running. She's in the FBI. Yeah. She's training. There's weird pacing in the movie, because then there's that like long scene where she goes to those weird guys in the library. Oh, I was trying... No, no, no. You know what I was thinking about? I was trying to remember how... She got because she like surprisingly came across Buffalo Bill's house. Yeah, she found it because she went into the storage shed. She was like in someone's childhood home. Like, was it his? Mm. She was, you know, she was like visiting. It was like the parents. And then she was like exploring a bedroom. Maybe it was the girl. I don't remember. That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, how did she get to that house? Like she didn't know exactly what she was walking into. Right. That's the that's part of the movie that makes me the most uncomfortable is the structure of the movie is she is hunting this person, but that's like the least important part of the movie. And actually that's the part that makes the least sense because like coincidentally, Hannibal Lecter is that guy's therapist, but they didn't know that going into it. He was just helping them profile the guy. It like it, He was his therapist? Yeah, that's how he knew all about the guy. He knew that he he went by Ms. Moffat and he had all these details that weren't profiled. I thought uh yeah, yeah. clearly I have a lot. I need to watch it again. We should. I watched let's, I love that movie. Let's pause it pause this. Wow, and we're back. It holds up. Wow, man, Good can you one. believe that? All that, when I was a kid, I did not understand. Yeah, what I was, was going just on. gonna say that. What part? The come in the hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. This I thought it was age spit. when I. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were th- you found out today. I found out this morning when we rewatched it. We when we rewatched it, and then because we had closed caption on, and it <laughs> said audibly ejaculating in hand, and I was like, oh. He didn't cut his wrist. Yeah. I thought it was spit or blood or something. Yeah, really white, frothy blood. It was another bodily fluid. It was the third it was the third bodily yeah, fluid. Yeah, the third humor. Yeah. <laughs> Jism. So we did we had a busy weekend. Oh, it was a fun weekend. We went we played volleyball in St. Petersburg. 
we got yelled at by a homeless man mm-hmm. there i don't oh yeah it was we, it was our friends that got yelled at though because it wasn't really yeah us, but. homeless guy walked by and goes my friend was in prison and he got diagnosed with aids and then they tested him again and he didn't have it and our friend ben just goes i don't care and the guy started <laughs> just screaming and cursing him out. It was a beach volleyball day, and I didn't play any volleyball. Oh, you didn't? Mm-mm. I played one game. It was fun, but tiring. It's hot with like the humidity of a person in a sweater. <laughs> it's a good banter. This is the banter of people that have talked together before. <laughs> or have been talking together all weekend. I know. We've been doing a lot of talking. I like talking to you, though. We were in mourning all week. I was in mourning all yeah. week. Oh, we didn't talk about it yet. We didn't. Because by the last time we yeah. recorded, it wasn't. Oh, our beloved cat, Sushi, died. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry that she died. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad. I'm sorry that she yeah. died, too. It was a hard decision. It, it was. It was a hard week. But I have to say that the people, we went to the emergency vet clinic, and they were so nice there. Yeah. They were so nice. I think they thought we were a little cold-hearted. Yeah, there were a couple parts. Trying to bring her back, and we were like, "We're done." Like we were sobbing. We're like, "We're done." They're like, "Do you want to see her again?" Okay, so I thought we said goodbye. We're like, "Okay, we're done," and then you guys are gonna like take her. We had already said we didn't want to be in the room when when they put her down. Yeah, and we're like, "All right, so cool." So we're just gonna get going, and then they take her, and then they come back with her with the cat in her leg. Yeah, that part I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I know. I was like, "Get that I, cat out I of here!" Don't. This is not how I want to yeah. see her. Also, Sushi had a look on her face of like, "What am I doing back here?" I already hissed at them. She said, "You told me I was gonna die, and yeah, then you brought me you back." You did. Well, we made the decision, and we were both sobbing I on the floor. Sobbing. Of that. You, I wanted her to know. You look Sushi in the eye and go, "Sushi, you're gonna die." <laughs> I did. I mean, I don't want to lie. I know. What's the point at that point? And then she just turned her back to you and looked out the window. She did. She spent her last minutes looking out the window. It was. It was a weird. She looked very pensive. Then when they took her away, she just hissed at us. Yeah. That was the last interaction, which is really. It's on par for our relationship. But I was also very grateful because I was very worried driving there. I was like, I had a feeling we're going to put her down. Yeah, I and know. I was really afraid that she would become very sweet in her last moments, which would make it really hard. Yeah. But she was like really doubling down on being a, oh, yeah. a mean cat. Also, the nice thing, though, is at, when we were signing all the paperwork and they were like, well, you have three options. We can cremate her and give her the a- give you the ashes. Why would you give her the ashes? <laughs> She's already cremated. <laughs> we can cremate her and give you the ashes or we can cremate her. They They really glossed over that it was a mass cremation we, we can cremate her with a few other animals mm-hmm. just like a barrel full of animals and then we put them in a butterfly garden or the third option is we can put her down and then give her right back to you that was an option that I was the third really option remember. which would have been such a bummer to then put our dead cat in the carrier i mean i guess that's for people who want to <laughs> bury them in their backyard or yeah you know yeah that's a sad cemetery, thought maybe? yeah i like that we said option b the butterfly garden yeah which then became the no questions asked part. Yeah, of that was garden. the other part where I was afraid that they thought we were cold monsters because. Well, we just had to laugh. I mean, we yeah, were you just, sobbing. You gotta laugh. You can't not like you. You have to have relief from the moments yeah. of like significant pain because it's awful. Yeah, but the the lady walked back in pretty quickly, and we were just like having a deep belly laugh. I know because I thought it would be so funny to come back the next day with a. <laughs> like a freezer bag full of ash and be like, is this where the no questions asked butterfly <laughs> garden is? When we were crying about the cat, it was the cumulative crying about also the 38 cats we cremated <laughs> earlier this week. So it was oh, sad. It was sad. Yeah. RIP sushi. 
enjoy your forever butterfly garden. Mm-hmm. She's now food for a butterfly. I mean, I think that that's a great story. I have no doubt that that's they, not really where the ashes are. It's sweet, though. When we were driving away, though, I did. I definitely saw a dumpster that had garden spray painted <laughs> on the side of it. <laughs> that's a weird loophole. They don't have to lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she did a wink every time. She was like, it goes in the butterfly garden. Wink. Okay, I see ya. I mean, it's as long as I believe that's what's happening. I yeah, think. I yeah, it's I feel good about it. Oh boy. Oh, well, welcome back to Reverse Psychology, where we talk it's about a real bummer, dead cats, and all that shit. <laughs> I'm Doctor Mike. I'm Doctor Diana. Man, we need to. We are not amped up. We need to get we amped up. Need some amp drugs by Mountain Dew. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about, talk and talk and talk about. All right. So today, by popular demand, is that the way? Brought by popular demand. Bringing something to you by popular demand. For the first time ever on podcast radio. So we're going to talk about how to find a therapist. Oh, that's good. So what I think is funny is that we're going to talk about this but we also have the same issues when it comes to finding therapists. Like we have a lot of friends who are psychologists, psychiatrists. We couldn't go to any of them, obviously, because they're our friends. So we're in the same boat as other people when we go to find a therapist. For me, there'd be too much personal, private overlap, I think. Like there's mm-hmm. conversations I want to have with my doctor that are very different than conversations that I would have with my friends. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that that's interesting. But I we need to take these same things that we're going to talk about into consideration when we look for a therapist because we can't go to someone we know. It's true. Previously. We can't go to and ourselves either. It's also strange because in a small place, like we're like not, we like don't Alaska? live in, no, no, no. Like we don't live in a small town necessarily, no. but going to therapy here, there's probably like one or two degrees of separation between us who work in the field mm. and, and other people who work in the field Oh yeah, it's hard to find a therapist that we don't know at all or don't know anything about. When I was in private practice, I had a client who was also a therapist, and there was very close, uh, like connection between the two of us. Yeah, and I like the first day I brought it up because I was like, "This is like it's gonna be a thing," and right. he was like, "This is like you're the only." I couldn't find anyone that there was no connection with mm. and so we just had to talk about how to navigate it but yeah it's if you're in the field it's very difficult to yeah. find someone that you're completely it's hard to find someone that's both good and not at all connected to you yeah and i mean a good therapist is gonna be able to have those good boundaries and like really respect your confidentiality and everything but it is still strange Let's say, okay, so Mike, let's say you have a person come to you and say, hey, I want to find a therapist. What should I do? What, 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 do you, what is your common answer? What is your... So when a person that I know personally yeah. comes to me, I... <laughs> so usually my start is asking um, for more details if they're comfortable. So I'll say like, I'll, I'll explain up front. Like, I'll, like, you know, I can't treat you, but I would love to help you out. What are... Like a couple of like things that are going on or what types of things are you looking for? Uh, and I also ask any specifics of like, do you have a preference? So like, do you or does the person you, like I had uh, like a year ago, someone was looking for a child therapist, a therapist for their child, not a young, young kid that's doing <laughs> therapy. But in that the Doogie Howser. Yeah. Oh, I know this, this real smart 13 year old. <laughs> I could really help your kid out. 
within that conversation, not only was I like, give me, give me a couple like bold words of what's going on, but also what are like some scream them at you? Yeah. Yell at me in all caps. But it was also like, who do you think your kid would work better with? Like, do you think if it's your son, do you think a guy therapist or a female therapist? Like those generalities. Mm-hmm. I always, I really try to like upfront be like, I can't tell you what to do. I can help navigate you where to go. Mm-hmm. And also if it's like a, like a professional relationship, I'll, I can also tell them like if what is going on or what, if what's recommended is appropriate more mm-hmm. if I see it a lot where like a primary care doctor will say, go find a therapist to do X, Y, and Z. And then like a person will come ask me if that's the appropriate thing to be doing. And a mm-hmm. lot of times it's not. Well, the interesting thing is that I, okay, so there are these, you know, evidence-based treatments out there and there's a lot of practicing therapists, psychologists, whatever, who say that they're eclectic and they don't yeah. really give a orientation or a like framework for their practice. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes it really hard too if you're someone who is looking for something very specific. Yeah. It's also difficult because you can say you do like cognitive behavioral therapy. Right, but you don't have to be you don't have to have something that says that you Yeah, but you, there's you don't have any paperwork that yeah. so, so like if let's say a new therapy comes out tomorrow called like hot fudge Sunday therapy and it's found to be really effective. I could have never been trained in it. Mm-hmm. And I can very easily just put that on a profile saying, Hey, guess what? I do this now. Right. I mean, those where at code of ethics come into play. It's self policed though. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And I first started seeing a therapist when I was maybe 19. That was before the internet. How did you find your first therapist at that age? That's a good question. Thank so I was you. in college. I don't know. Maybe the yellow pages. <laughs> I'm serious. Can, just for the younger podcast listeners, can you explain what the yellow pages is? Are you serious? Like no. you think there are people who don't know? I mean, it's like the pre precursor to Google. It was just a phone book for <laughs> businesses. <laughs> it was different from the white pages. White pages were people. Residential. Yep. Yellow pages, businesses. It was always a, a feat of strength to tear a phone book in half. I wonder if there was some like newsletter or something that came to my college that advertised people. It wasn't people. P- the college counseling center. No, there. no, was no. Also, uh-uh. There was outside. Mm-hmm. I remember I went to a couple therapists and I didn't understand the process of finding a therapist. And I, I thought when I first started looking for therapists, I thought you went to a therapist and you just poured your heart out and you told them everything, all of your secrets, all of your desires, all of your thoughts, everything. And like you just left everything on the table. Yeah. It was very non-goal directed yeah. k- kind of idea. From the catharsis model. If I just talk long enough, I'll, something will click. No therapist ever told me though like how to be in therapy or like informed me about the process enough so I had an idea of what the goals would be or the progression would look like or anything. I don't know. I think with our friends, people that I know and you know, you and I talk about this stuff, I think maybe that's changing too is like there's more of a sense of goal-directed therapy. People come in and you, we, I'll say we, talk to them about what the process of therapy looks like and what effectiveness like what success will look like and when do you yeah. know when therapy is effective and if it's not a good fit. I don't think I ever had anyone say to me for a long time, like, hey, this might not be the good fit for you. Yeah. And I thought that that meant there was something wrong with me. I think there's a huge risk too, where if you don't make that really explicit, then people will leave 
saying, well, therapy doesn't work. Therapy doesn't work for me. Yep. I think in general, there's a lot of things that I would encourage people to explore. I will say it's interesting because my orientation in practice is more behavioral with different components of behavioral activation and behavioral change processes involved. When I go to therapy, I don't want that kind of therapist. No, it makes sense. You wouldn't want that. Really? I wouldn't want to go to an ACT therapist. Because you would know what they were doing. Yeah. I think that if, if you're doing a therapy that you really believe in and you're, this is going to make it sound like I'm bragging about myself. I think if you're doing a therapy you believe in and if you're pretty self-aware, you're going to ideally be doing or trying the things that you're encouraging people to do. So I think that. Mm, you want a different I viewpoint. want something different that I haven't seen before. Mm. Or I want I want some space where it's something that I I I wouldn't normally think to do because mm. like if I were going to a therapist and I was like you know what I have these thoughts that are just like really they're distracting that's really difficult and they're like well here's a couple of cognitive diffusion exercises there's like a ninety nine percent chance they're going to be ones that I've already I already know about and I've, I teach people about and I probably are also been trying to use it also for me at least personally would run the risk of feeling too much like case consultation or mm. like a teaching thing where it's like oh i do this and you're giving me something back which is not to say it wouldn't be helpful i think i when i do training and i get trained i think i often take away a lot and it helps me personally a lot mm. but i think that if i was going to see a therapist i would probably benefit for something that would be different than what my approach would be that's interesting yeah i think like i would i would really require a very flexible therapist does yoga and stuff yeah I want to walk in and he is like doing the John claude Van Damme one leg on each chair, doing a perfect split, reading a book. He's like, oh, hello. And he's like, you know, if you really release your inner demons, you too can do a split like this. He's just the kind of therapist that when you walk into the waiting room, you just immediately walk into the office. You don't have to wait for them to call you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I walk in, open the door. He's doing a split. <laughs> One of the things I like about the act orientation mm -hmm. of being in therapy is this idea that the person who is the therapist looks and can see where you're at on a mountain because they're on their own mountain. So yeah. it's like we all have our shit that we're going through and I'm not necessarily like on the top of your mountain pulling you up. I'm just right. giving you the tools that I'm also using. It's, it's the assumption that yeah. you, you're going through your struggle. I'm going through my struggle. And I'll all I can do is kind of help you realize that you you know what you got to do. I can just help you navigate a little bit better. So, so how do we find a therapist? So one of the things I want to start with, actually, there's a lot of different strategies I have to share around finding a therapist. One of the things I want to say is, first of all, when you start looking for a therapist, it's going to be a bit of a journey. It's not going to be an easy, I call someone they call me right back. I mm -hmm. go and see them. I can get in the next week. It's right at my price point or my insurance takes them. And that's it. You find your like miracle. That's absolutely not what it's going to be like. So like you kind of have to get in and hold on for a bit while you're looking for a therapist. Yeah. So it's a journey though. It's, it is a journey. It's a haul. It is. I mean, and almost like now I feel like anything and finding any type of doctor is like that. Like a doctor you like is hard to find. I think the harder thing, though, with a therapist than like a, like a primary care doctor is yeah. with your primary, ideally, you're seeing them once a year for like 20 minutes. It's like Right. Unless you're sick. Right. Like, if you're sick, you need a doctor you like because you got to trust that person. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think with like a therapist, you're you're going in with the immediate need. 
Yeah. And so it's like what I saw my primary for probably about 20 minutes once. And I'm like, I feel like he'd be good if I needed him, but hmm. I don't know. And if I were to find a therapist, usually it's like stuff's already going on. I really need someone. And you want them to be able to be there to help you out and feel like you're getting helped. I've had people call me and be like, I need to go to therapy. I'm not have I'm not doing well. But the idea of finding a therapist right now is so overwhelming for me. Yeah. To tell someone that you have to shop around yeah. when you're at a really low point is it's it's exhausting. It is. It's, it, it's difficult to get yourself into therapy in the first place and then to be like, fuck, I have to also like audition five different people. Right. right. Interview. An audition? I feel like it's more of an audition. Yeah. Like you you go in, you give your shit and like their reaction is going to be really indicative of if you're going to come back or not. That brings me to the main point that I want to say about all this mm-hmm. is that over and above everything else in therapy, the thing that predicts treatment outcomes is your connection with the therapist. Yeah. Joining with them. Right. So if you don't feel like you have a good connection with the therapist you see after two or three times, it's not the good ther- it's not a good therapist for you. Yeah. You may have gotten a referral from a friend you really trust and like, and that therapist might work for them. But if it doesn't work for you, there's no use continuing to go down that road because your your outcomes are not going to be as significant as if you were going to someone you like. I do say I do think that well, okay, so going back to what I would suggest, I think that talking to friends and family Maybe not family, maybe friends um, is a good place to start. Because if you're friends with someone and they have a really good therapist that they like, chances are good, perhaps, that that kind of style might work for you too. Right. If not, like no love lost there, just move on. Yeah. I think just if you are actively in therapy right now, just talking about it, not even, I don't have to always talk about it, but talking about it with your friends and family in general is really good because you don't know who is kind of on the cusp of going and that could really help them. But it also helps to see that there's a lot of different types of therapists out there. Mm-hmm. Because if, if, if you only see it that one therapist and no one talks about their therapy experiences, it's easy to just think like, Oh, all therapists are like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So if, if, if I'm like, Hey, I saw my therapist and they like did X, Y, and Z. And you're like, Oh, that's cool. Cause mine is doing blah, blah, blah. It's then I'm like, Oh, that actually sounds like that would be helpful for me. It, right. Yeah. So you get an idea of like the differences. Right. Of so just talk stuff. about going to therapy. It's so, cool. Um, yeah, it is cool. Therapy is cool. Yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. Are you cool? I'm cool. Awesome. I'm cool as fuck. <laughs> cool. Tip number one. Tip, hot tip number one. Talk about therapy. Tip number two. That's not tip number one. Isn't really a tip for finding a therapist. Tip number no, one. I think it's a pre-tip. Okay. <laughs> Pre-tip number one. Okay. But then tip number one. Yeah. Talk to friends. Get recommendations. Yeah. Try them out. If it doesn't work out, it's okay. At the very least, most therapists will do like a free phone consultation. You Mm -hmm. can get a pretty good feel over the phone. Like if they're... Yeah. It's a lot of pressure for the therapist, but you can get it. You can get a decent... It is. Yeah. A lot of them online too will like say like I do a free phone consultation. Yeah. I do a free in-person consultation. What? Yeah. That's amazing. I know. I'm pretty great. That is pretty great. But yeah, that's going to be a good thing because you can get a good feel. Like are they paying attention on the phone? Yeah. Are they fun to talk? Not fun to talk to, but like it doesn't... Are they making me laugh? No, that's interesting though because I do like a therapist with a sense of humor. Oh, I mean, not like, like, you know, not as funny as you, I oh, think. Good. But I, I like someone who can laugh about it and, you yeah. know, life is messy and funny yeah. and Just have a awful good sense and whatever. Of about it. In this article in The Cut, which is a great article. What's The Cut? The Cut is the New York Magazine style culture pullout okay. part. 
Yeah. <laughs> the pull-out part? Pull-out part. So they have, a, um, they have an article called How Does That Make You Feel? A Beginner's Guide to Finding the Right Therapist. Ten Tips to Please Your Therapist. <laughs> so they interview this dude who's a psychotherapist. He wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. What's the name? Be Fearless. Change Your Life in 28 Days. What's his name? Oh, his name. I meant the book's name. <laughs> Be Fearless. Jonathan Alpert. Oh, okay. Have you heard of him? Yeah. So he says, if the therapist does nothing more than nod his head, his, by the way, this yeah. is me interpreting his. I can't give this boy therapy. <laughs> I'm his mother. How is that possible? Okay. Well, also, most you therapists go, are females. You can go over your favorite joke later. Riddle, I should say. All right. So if the therapist does nothing more than nod his head and provide vague utterances of reassurance, like I see, or ask questions that might seem dismissive, like the classic and how does that make you feel? Mm. Then move on. This type of therapy proves ineffective while a more positive and engaging therapist is better able to help a patient achieve optimal results. After a few weeks of therapy, you should start to feel a small sense of control and change. If you don't, then it's not working for you. I'll say this too. I have a little chip on my shoulder. Is that a ruffle? It's a, yeah, the chips. Yeah. I thought you meant, is, is, that a, is, that a, is that a ruffle on your sleeve is that a ruffle over in your duffel or you just have a chip in your shoulder <laughs> a ruffle on your duffel is that a mark ruffalo on your shoulder this episode's brought to you by mark ruffalo's sour cream and onion oh boy that's stupid yeah okay so um i think i'm still in mourning oh <laughs> I know, anyways let's talk about this style of therapy oh no 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 i what i was gonna say is a lot of therapists will say Oh, it's the client's responsibility to tell me if things aren't working for them. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. I don't know. Okay, so I have I have a couple of thoughts about that though. Okay. I think if I in, offended you, then I it's not bullshit. No, no. I think in the beginning, if you're looking for is this a fit or not, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the client's responsibility. I oh, think no. No, 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 no. that if it's not working for you, it's not working. Like you can try some things if you want and be like, I was kind of hoping for, you know, more homework or kind of hoping for blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And maybe the therapist can change their whatever. But by and large, if it's not feeling right, you can't force it. It's like finding a, someone to date. You know, you're not going to be like, oh, I thought yeah. you might, yeah. you're someone who was going to hold my hand more or, you know. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. Like you should Thank you. never date your therapist, but that's kind of like, it's kind of a romantic, but false idea to like find someone that's like bullseye perfect on the first attempt and be like oh this is good but like you want someone that's like a approximated around right. there yeah like like it has most of the things that yes. you would want yeah it's like okay cool this person relationship. is maybe a, a bit dry but he's he's actually giving me some really great feedback right like, okay he's getting the, the bulk of what i'm looking for right but if it's someone who it's like you leave me and like oh he didn't say two words you don't want your therapist to be a project yeah, like, right, maybe, right, right. Maybe I can coax some more out yeah. of this guy. Yeah, exactly. What's his story? That's a great point. So either you get that, you know, through your conversation on the phone or your first couple of meetings with the therapist. If you're not feeling it, peace out. Yeah. If you're in a long-term therapeutic relationship with a therapist and things are happening, why are you laughing? <laughs> this sounds like the start of like a Jeff Foxworthy joke. Oh, he wouldn't, talk, he wouldn't talk about a therapist. therapist relationship <laughs> and you still haven't met his parents, you might be codependent. <laughs> okay. But no, if you're if you've been in therapy long term with a therapist and there are things coming up for you and you're not discussing those with the therapist, I think that's an issue that 
Well, I will say it's on the client to bring things up, but it's also on the therapist to make a situation where you can bring those things up. Yeah. You shouldn't feel, I don't want to like, this isn't me saying the blame is on the patient, but it's not an ideal feeling in therapy to feel like you need to be protective of your therapist. And then I've heard that from patients a lot, like after I inherit them from other people where they're like, oh, I could never talk about this because I just felt like it would upset my therapist. It's like, oh, that's, that's unfortunate because you're there to be like the therapist ideally is like one of the main jobs is to create a space where you feel it's safe and supportive. So you can talk and explore these ideas and like no one's going to explode in the room. Mm hmm. So this, I, I want to get back to some of the tips yeah. that I have. Just the tips. Hot tip two. Hot, hot tip Tuesday. Hot tip Sunday. Mm. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Ooh, it does. Hot tips? Yeah. Beef tips? <laughs> okay. So let's say you've um, narrowed it down. You're like, you have a couple of therapists yeah. you want to. Which one do I give the rose to? Sometimes I do like the the voicemail screen like does this person sound like a normal person on their voicemail people can hide crazy on the phone but if they can't hide crazy on the phone they're not gonna hide it in person because <laughs> there, there's some people i meet professionally that i'm like how can you not hold it together for a 30 second phone call Ooh, i like this so one of the questions that they recommend asking is in your consultation spits or swallows ask your potential therapist how they suggest treating your problem and make sure they have a response that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Isn't that good? I like that. I do too. Because that doesn't, that's not like, hey, have you seen clients like me before? Or where yeah. did you go to school? Or where did you do your training? Like those are, those are reasonable questions, but like it's really easy to say I trained somewhere really great yeah. and not be a good therapist. Those are reasonable questions that don't tell you anything. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. There's just a conversation. The prestige of the place, it's, it's a proxy for for quality but that an answer to that question is going to be much more important the american psychological association also on their website has a guide to finding a good therapist their take is obviously very different so their first question is is a therapist licensed each state is yeah. responsible for making sure therapists are com competent to provide their services there's different levels of licensure even though the fit is a really important thing for this, like the levels of training in the, the degrees, it, it's important to take your what your incoming problem is into consideration. Because if, if it is more life malaise, maybe I want to change my job, need some like guidance, like a licensed mental health counselor, that is perfectly in their wheelhouse. They like have depression, anxiety. like Right. And, then, and then, especially if it's like newer stuff, like that is what they do if it's like oh i have crippling ocd right even if it's more expensive That's a psychologist a is going to be your best bet because they they likely will have the training to do much more intensive therapies that's a good point because i work with kids with severe problem behaviors i also am a board certified behavior analyst which is something that i absolutely 100 percent believe you would need to work with the types of kids i work with like yes. i would be really suspicious if there were psychologists who didn't have that type of training or didn't have that credential working with a family with a kid with this type of yes. issue and i know a bunch that do i know and, and it's, it's, it's problematic it, it is it's very problematic so what's the next tip so the next tip is do they take health insurance i've definitely been in a situation where i can only see a therapist if they take my insurance a lot of therapists don't take insurance yep Taking insurance is a good r referral source for a, th a therapist. So like if you're on somebody's insurance panel 
or if you're paneled by their insurance, like let's say I take yeah. Blue Cross, there's a good chance that you're going to get a lot of referrals because people are going to look up who their providers are and then call you based on that. So often people who take insurance have more than more more clients than they know what to do with. Yes. They might have to refer to other people anyways, or they might also be, this is a generality, but I will say from experience, this is this can be true, that they're so burnt out because they have to see so many clients to make things yes. work for them. The trade-off with insurance from the provider standpoint is you get much more referrals and you get paid less. And every insurance reimburses at a different rate. And the other thing is uh, insurances are unpredictable in when they pay you. Right. And that's a huge problem for therapists because I have a friend, for example, who's still fighting a claim. She's trying to get reimbursed with an insurance company. It's been a year. So, I mean, that sort of cuts into the quality of care you can provide as a therapist. So there are really pros and cons about it. And that's obviously not what this show is about. But a really, really, really good option for you is... If you do have health insurance, you can see a therapist and ask them for what's called a super bill. And you can submit that to your insurance company as a out-of-network provider. So every insurance company will have an out-of-network provider coverage policy and just find out what that is. So some of it's like 80% of in-office visits, some at 60% of in-office visits until you meet your deductible. Some, you know, you just have to find out what that is for your insurance company for the particular type of service that you're getting, which typically would be like psychotherapy or, you know, some sort of therapy, mental health therapy. And then you can take that bill and submit it to your insurance company and they will reimburse you. So that's a great option that a lot of people don't know about or don't understand fully. Yeah. It, even though it's going to be a headache, calling your insurance company and asking about some of this stuff will be really helpful too. Just yeah, what, are, what are my right. out of network benefits, all that stuff. The next tip or the next thing to look for is... Tip number three. Four or five? Three. Four. Three. Most people, when they go to search, like let's say you, you put in your Googler uh, therapist. Hot available therapist in my area. Yeah. Therapist, Florida, you know, Tampa, Florida. So then inevitably... Most, most people who are looking for a therapist, they put those three words. Wait, let me put... I'm actually going to do that. Therapist, Tampa, Florida, regardless of where you are. Okay, so what's going to come up? There's going to be some websites of some local therapists. Okay, good. First, though, on the Google search is psychologytoday.com. Yep. Psychology Today is a beast. The American Psychological Association, APA, also has a therapist finder. That is a sanctioned way to find a therapist in terms of licensure. What do you mean by like, sanctioned? You have to verify like that you're an APA uh, licensed. licensed therapist. Do you not have to do that on Psychology Today? I don't know how they verify it because it was like next second I was up. Oh, that's weird. Um, I remember when I did my Psych Today a few years ago. There was like a delay because they had to pull up my number. The APA one, if you're a psychologist and a member of APA, you have a profile. Yes. The Psychology Today one, you have to pay for it. Yeah. It's like an advertising. It, it seems on the surface like it's not like it's just a therapist finder or whatever. It's actually a paid service that therapists have to put out there. You pay into. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's helpful. There's good information. People. I'm always shocked at the pictures people choose to put up for themselves <laughs> talk about the pictures yeah I that's can't. A, honestly 
I don't want to be a dick about it, but I see some of these pictures and I'm like, how are you going to be a good therapist? If you can't even pull it together to look at a camera and keep both your eyes open at the same time. I Also, if you have a selfie as your yeah, if you Yeah. If you give such low shits that you can't find a friend to take a picture of you, <sighs> that's the sign of a monster. It, it's yeah yeah i mean i've seen better ones now than i have seen in a long time honestly but do you want to work with this person who cut themselves out of a picture at a wedding yeah to post yeah. onto their do you want to be a client of this person that just drew a red x over the person that's in the picture next to him they circle a big circle around it with a caption that says this one is me <laughs> or like it looks like a glamour shot also like what this guy is standing at his desk about 300 yards away from the camera. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is taken from the security camera from the last job he got fired at. I mean, it's just... It's... For, it's, not, for no other reason than just to laugh, you should definitely yeah. check out. That one's definitely a mugshot. The blue one? No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, he looks miserable. The, My God. <laughs> this one is definitely taken from like a family vacation. Yeah. This is one she's in mid yelling at her kids. Also, like just... I have so many thoughts just about this. Just fucking sit down, get yeah. your picture taken. Just hire a professional photographer. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so if you're in a group of people like you want, for example, an LGBTQ specialized therapist, mm-hmm. there are websites that will not verify because there's no like verification process for that from the clinician side of things. Yeah. But there are psychologists who belong to groups that that do specialize in certain areas so if you're a member of a community and you really want a specific type of therapist like if you are if you're lgbtq and you really want a therapist who's active in that community you know you can turn to like your community organizations to find people who typically work with you know, right. Maybe, uh, maybe you're transgender and you also need, you want someone who is very specialized in that area. Yeah. So that will be really important. Yeah. The thing you're looking to get help with is pretty specialized to find communities of people that are going through it to get some names of good referral sources. Because the unfortunate thing is because, especially with the LGBTQ area, because there is no standard in psychology to say yes you can you can work with these people and no you can't you you will see a lot of people that will just claim expertise Mm -hmm. and they don't have any or they're going to do harmful stuff well inadvertently maybe inadvertently or inadvertently i mean yeah i mean gay conversion therapy is still out there i think it's been banned in most states yeah but it's yeah yeah no i agree with you i agree i think i mean getting recommendations from like the community organizations that work in your specific area and these you know, for these issues will be very important. And I think that's maybe a good place to end. Okay. There's a couple things I want to yeah. not add, review. So I think if you're looking to find a therapist, which I'm always encouraging of, even if you're on the fence about if you need therapy, not all therapy is long-term therapy. That's a really big thing to know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So even if you're like, I'm on the fence, I might just want to see someone once. I've had plenty of people that will come in and say, you know what? I don't know if I need therapy. I just kind of want to check in. And that's, and that's fine. Even if you get a point of contact and then you get the clarity, yeah, you need something or no, you don't. Or if you just need a month or a couple of weeks or whatever. So it doesn't have to be long-term. If you're on the fence, I would say check it out before you meet with someone. 
couple of points of pre-research. I know if you're struggling, it's going to be difficult, but this is going to save you a lot of headaches. Or ask someone to help you with it. Ask someone to help you. Yeah. If you if you got a good friend that says, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Instead of saying nothing, saying, hey, I'm thinking about going to this person. Can you look up these things for me? That would be a very effective way. Because you, if your friend's saying, I want to help you, they want to help. They just don't know what to do. Give them something concrete. And this is going to be cool. First, ask them to see if they're licensed in the state you're in. So that's big. And that's really easy to find out. You Google your state psychology license and you can look up. Or a therapist license. It doesn't have to be psychology license. Right. Because it's all through the Department of Health. Yeah. So yeah, just license look up. And then you they will put in the person's last name, first name, and then it'll pop up. And every state has to report if there's any actions against the license, if there's any problems and stuff like that. So cool. If that person is free and clear licensed, Find out what their degree is in. That's It's not a ruling out factor, but it's good to know because if someone has a degree in something completely unrelated than what you're looking for, it might not be the best fit for you or it might be someone that's practicing outside their scope. So know what their degree is in. Is it clinical psychology? Is it industrial and organizational psychology, which is more HR related stuff? Is it an education degree, but now they're saying they're doing something else? Get a sense of what their training is in. So most people have to have posted their CV or some information on what they've done. That's just going to tell you where have they done their things? What have they had experience in? So if you're looking for treatment for depression, hopefully they've worked in environments where they've treated depressed people. Or if you're an adult and they've only done child therapy, that might not be the best fit. And then just to find out if if and what your insurance can do to help out with you. Uh, that way, before you even call, you'll know, okay, this is going to get paid for. This might not get paid for. I might need a super bill. I might need to ask about sliding scale. Those four things will be really helpful before you even make that contact. So ask your friend to help you out with that. Two big questions to ask when you and Diane, I would love if you have anything to add to this. Sure. So, in your first meeting with your therapist, as you're getting to know them and you're getting a feel for therapy, first one is asking really concretely, "How would you treat this problem?" Not "What would you do?" Because mm. you you might get like a really quick answer, like cognitive behavioral therapy. More like, "How? What's the course of treatment going to look like?" Because ideally, even though a therapeutic plan needs to be flexible for whatever's going on and what you're reacting to or not. They should have some idea of the course of action, what it'll look like. Uh, the second thing is, wh- why is that going to be helpful? Because ideally, everything they do should have a purpose. Mm. So it's like, if you were coming to me, Diana, yeah. for trauma-related distress, and I say, you know, we're going to do prolonged exposure, which is when we very slowly and progressively expose you to things that mm-hmm. are anxiety-provoking, helping your body get used to it. And if you say, well, how is that going to help or why would that help me out? Yeah. I would then explain to you maybe some learning theory or maybe I'll talk to you about what I'm expecting to be Mm -hmm. working for you. So basically it's more rationale. Right. But like also that you have a foundation for why you think this will work. I have a theory of why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for the hell of it. Right. Not just because like, oh, that's what I saw someone else do. Right. Or if they say, you know, every week you're going to come in and talk about whatever you want. How is that going to help me? And they might have a great answer. And if that fits for you, cool. Um, But if it doesn't seem to map on, then that's a problem. 
And also asking what's the typical duration or course or the ex- the expectation of this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be flexible. No one's very unlikely will they kick you out after a certain amount of sessions. But it's good to know if they have a target in mind. If they say, you know what, this is pretty early depression. A lot of people, three to four meetings, we can kind of get you back on course. Mm-hmm. Or if this is like, oh, this is, you know, this is some heavy trauma stuff. Most people, eight weeks, ideally there's some some target. Mm-hmm. So those are those are like three pretty important questions to ask up front. Yeah. I want to emphasize, I think over and above all of this that we've discussed, it's it's a daunting process and it's a journey and it's scary, especially when you think that someone knows something about you that you don't know. Like like you're going into this, you're, maybe your defenses are already down and you're feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to go and see this person. They're going to judge me. And like, if I don't like them, then it's probably something wrong with me because I'm already in a bad place. Like there's just all these like self-defeating things that we do to ourselves when we're already in a bad place. And I think that just knowing, no, it might take a while. And if you feel like it's wrong, then, then go with that and trust yourself. Cool. Well, I had a good time. I hope that people did too. Yeah. I hope you guys did too. And again, what's our email? R-E-V period P-S-Y-C-H-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Rev. Rev psychcast at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Facebook. Oh, the DM. Uh, if you have questions about any of this stuff or if you have topics you want us to talk about, we would Whoa, love... Oh, your voice got so high. I know. Thank you. It happened. It just kept going. <laughs> I know. I just kept escalating. I wanted people... I know. To... I was like, he's not coming back down. Oh my God. No, he's still going back up. never coming down. Yeah. Wow. I want people to see my range. You committed. I did commit Good to that. Good for you. But yeah, so if people have any any thoughts, comments, we love you all. And anything you want to plug, Diana? <laughs> it's funny that you always ask me that. Like we're famous people and like another person's podcast. Yeah, what are you plugging? I'm plugging being a being a happy person. Yeah, being happy. Just get out there. I'm plugging. Hang out with your friends. Uh, I'm plugging the first local natives album, which we listened to today <laughs> while we were cleaning the house. Nothing to do with you. No, no, it's something I enjoy. Oh, it's not. It's just plugging things that you like, not yeah things about you. All right, cool. Well, I I mean, in that case, what's your, what's I'm your, plugging your Oprah favorite thing. Veep. Yeah, we're the TV show season three and Veep. Yeah, yeah. Watch it. It's yeah. great. I'm plugging going to the movies. Yeah, we need to go to the movies. I'm plugging going out and going to the movies. I want to get some movie popcorn. I just forget to go to the movies. I forget that as an option. I you know when you were little, maybe not you guys, but. For me, are you saying that because I was poor? No, no, we weren't poor. No, we weren't. I mean, but it was special to go to the movies. It was. It was often a birthday thing my parents would do with me. Oh, really? They would take me out of school early and we go to the movies. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I have a very like warm spot in my heart for going to the movies. That's it feels very sweet. it always feels very special to me. Yeah, I never really went to the movies with my parents. Mm. Only when I got older and I like went with my friends and stuff. Yeah. So it's more about like sneaking in to movie theaters mm. and trying to see a boob. Trying to no, not sneaking in to see boobs. Sneaking into a movie theater to watch a movie and then movie hopping. Ooh. You could spend your whole day at the movie theater. You can. Yeah. And then you get caught and you get tried as an adult and go to jail. All right. All cool. right. Well, I love you, Diana. Love you too. Bye. Bye. So we should. Yeah. We should d- release two episodes of this. One, the full episode, and one of just the tips. Is that like your joke? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that like your joke?
You know what I'm talking about, right? What? The moil joke. Oh, no. Yeah. Just the tips. Yeah. It's our moil episode. Just the tips. <laughs> now it is. <sighs> All right. So I let me get through this part just really quick. We should call this podcast. Just let me get through yeah, this. Just fucking <laughs> let me get through yeah. this. I was really proud of something you said earlier this week. I've been telling a lot of people. What's that? Uh, in- oh, yeah. Instead of a speakeasy, you want to go to a shout hard? Yeah, it's just a crappy bar. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. You're like, what's your special? They're like, ah, oh, it's just warm Bud Light <laughs> next to a pile of puke. Yep. Most bars in downtown Tampa are shout hards. Anyone's allowed in. There's no password. 